on RSN927, the Racing and Sports Rundown. And what a huge Saturday we have got to preview today on the Racing and Sports Rundown. We've only, this is our third week and each week it has been a jam-packed edition and today we've got uh, just racing on the Saturday to really focus on here from an Australian point of view but we're going to branch out we'll do a little bit of international racing as well I've never heard so much preamble ahead of an arc here in Australia uh, and we don't even have a horse in it anymore so we're going to get Adam Blinko's thoughts on that as well and Simon Dinopoulos is also going to give us the winner of the NRL Grand Final the footy's done and dusted here in Melbourne for the year but We've still got the biggest game of all to come up in New South Wales. So we'll get to all that a little bit later on. First things first, we'll do the introductions. Adam, how are you this morning? A big day of racing ahead. Yeah, big weekend. Probably a candidate for, uh, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll have Caulfield Cup Everest and British Champions Day. But I think Turnbull Epsom Day and, and Arc Weekend is, is probably a candidate and a strong candidate for uh, racing weekend of the year, I would have thought. Yeah, 100%. I do agree. And there were some strong words from your man up there, Simon Dinopoulos, on Sydney and the Epsom Day and what it's evolved into, uh, which we might touch on as well. Simon, this is, well, you said it's one of your favourite weekends of the year, but you're, you're a little bit disappointed as to what it's become at the moment. Yeah, I think this is Sydney's grand final day. It certainly is for me, and I agree with Adam, the best weekend of racing in the year, certainly in the chat. And, yeah, disappointed to see what's come of the Epsom with the promotion of the Golden Eagle, I think the Silver Eagles next week, and the reason why the field is so small for the Epsom today is due to a lot of the four-year-olds running next week. And the Epsom is rich with history, as is the Doncaster there. Sydney's two biggest races, and it's a shame that these races aren't getting the support they should be. Yeah, what what it has done, it's um, a lot of the times we can get when they were the the grand finals for the majority of horses that were campaigning up in Sydney, there tended to be probably not as many chances what you, what you might see um, at the moment. So it's made for a really interesting day with a heavy track thrown thrown into the equation as well. I actually don't mind the fact that it's a heavy track up there because I think it um, rules a few out that might have otherwise been contenders. I'm I'm happy to take on Fangirl now because we're on, on a, a wet track up there, but she probably would have been me top pick had they been on a good surface. So it throws an interesting dynamic into the mix there. We're, get, we're going to get to the Sydney... Group 1s and the feature races up there after we've had a look at the Flemington card. Now, the Turnbull Stakes is the main race there. It's an interesting Turnbull this year, Adam, as well, because it's very rare for us not to have a horse that is towards the head of Cox Plate bidding going around in the Turnbull. You generally get the horses coming through either the Turnbull or the Caulfield Stakes that then go on to contest the Cox Plate. I don't necessarily think that's the case this year. It's got more of a Caulfield Cup feel about it. And when you look at it like that, um, it's a set weights and penalties race. We don't have that many of those at Group 1 level here in Australia. So it throws up an interesting field mix. And Gold Trip's probably the one that stands out. If if it was just a matter of marrying up the ratings and the weights of the race, they may as well not even run it because he'd be over the line. But that's not how it works here in Australia, is it? Sadly, no. Otherwise, I'd be uh, betting from the Maldives and I wouldn't be on the radio on a Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, I reckon it's a I reckon it's a really good Turnbull, but a really tricky Turnbull, and I think it's a I think it's a sort of traditional Turnbull. You say that these are probably more the Cups horses. I sort of feel like that's the the role of the the Turnbull, and I I think back to the best Turnbulls were sort of big fields and big chances, and and it was the Caulfield Stakes that was more the select set 
going towards the the Cox Plate, and that's what we seem to have this year. We'll have those real weight for age horses, you know, Animo versus Thunderstruck and Alligator Blood and, and Zaki next week in the now might and power. And, and this, as you say, is is more of a, a cups trial, and it's always been known as sort of moving day, really. Grand final day maybe in, in Sydney, but moving day in, in Melbourne, and, and the Turnbull and the Bart Cummings today both fit that, that bill. And I think the two at the front of the, the betting and the two at the, the top of the ratings as well are, are two that I think need to step up and and put their hand up if they are going to be, you know, Cups chances, which they're, they're certainly flagged up to be. And as you make the point with, with Gold Trip, what an opportunity for him. He's, you know, as I said, he's at the top of the betting, he's at the top of the ratings as well, and he's got that little weight pull. It's all been sort of set up beautifully for him. But I just find myself struggling to be completely convinced for all that the ratings are, are there and, he, you know, the big weight drop, he's, he's officially the weight horse of the day and and there's a lot to like. But he did split Smoke and Romans and Chapada in, in a glorified Packenham Cup in the rain last time and this should be, A, a very different scenario and B, much, much tougher for him. So I know that he's I know that he's good enough. Pretty much how I do things is screaming bet. But I just find myself staring off into space and, and a little bit confused. And with him, a lot of his rating was generated from overseas performances where he ran some mm. absolute belters of races in um, races much stronger than he's he going to confront down here in Australia. How do you go about marrying up what we what he did over there compared with what we've seen from him here in Australia? Yeah, well, we just measure as many horses following similar lines as, as possible. And, you know, we've Europe to Australia now is a, a well-tracked path. So we, we sort of know where those two handicaps, if you like, dovetail in. We know where they should be on average. And Gold Trip is, you know, he's a nice bit of evidence that we're in the, the right ballpark with those ratings as well because he's come down here. And and despite, you know, not running for a, a long period of time, he's basically picked up and ran right around where you'd expect him to be based on that French form, which, I mean, you make the point, is in better races than he... Then he's contesting here, particularly when he when he's so well treated at, at the weights and you know fourth. That was only two years ago. I know it was two years ago, but it was you know, fourth in an arc there on this very weekend two years ago. I mean that's a that's a piece of our, our very our very special, very elegant. Can't even get a run in the arc, and there he was running fourth as a horse who'd won one race. French handicapper let him in. Um, <laughs> But he's uh, yeah. Look, his chances his chances great today. Juice is very similar in that. So Juice and Gold Trip as a as a ratings guy, and I've got to play the role of the ratings guy, otherwise I wouldn't be on here. Um, they have bulk ratings that are better than the rest of this field. The two of them. Juice is best form, you know, mowing mowing down, think it over in an Australian Cup, and absolutely spanking them in a in a Tancred, and both times running not just good overall time, but running away and looking even better than the result at the finish. Um, says that. She's easily good enough to beat these, and it's it's sort of easy to lean into that third up record as well and go, well, you know, she's been okay in, in two runs this time in, and, and we've seen what she does third up. She just peaks, but it just can't be that simple, can it? Simon, you had an interesting so. take on Jewess uh, in yeah. listening to the podcast. Yeah, I think she's a run behind where she has been in previous preparations. Ed Cummings, we touched on it, has been very, very good at setting this mare for her her target, he's most impressively, was off the Queensland Oaks going there 49 days between runs. So he knows how to get her to peak. And the Caulfield Cup has always been the main target for the spring. And if you look at her ratings profile, I think she is trending a one run behind. So her peak, she's likely 
obviously to improve this afternoon, but I think her big peak, uh, which would easily win this race, isn't coming until next start. So she's an interesting one. She's obviously hard in the market because if she produces that peak, uh, she'll be winning, but I don't think she will. I think she's just a one run behind and being campaigned beautifully uh, towards that grand final. So who do we think will win it? I know Adam's a bit scuzzy on Gold Trip, but I think if he's going to win a Group 1 here, it's got to be today. Uh, we're saying Juaeus is one run away. Well, I am. Uh, Young, Werther, Surefire, Profondo, he's better performed than them and meets him at the same weights. Uh, inspirational girl, has a good record second up. She's got to be a little chance in there, but I think he, for me, he ticks all the boxes in terms of he was off a long break, he's third up. This has been, I'd imagine, the main target for him coming into this preparation. Uh, third up, Jamie Carr goes on board, down in the weights. He's not going to get a bit of chance to win a Group 1 in Australia. And if Juaeus isn't quite ready, uh, he doesn't really have to beat much or certainly not the top echelon to win a Group 1. So, yeah, he's clearly on top for me. What about yourself, Adam? Yeah, well, my hands are tied. So I've sort of I've sort of got to say gold trip, but I'm... Um... I'm, I find myself very sceptical. I see Inspirational Girl would be the one that I would probably go hunting for, but I see that she is sliding right into a trendy alternative status in towards sort of 10 to 1 there, which I think is, um, given there must be doubt, second, I know that she's got a great second up record, but it's, you know, she's second up off a month and a, probably a, similar to Gold Trip, an unconvincing run the, the other day for all that it said that she was going fine ratings-wise. Um, yeah, I'm probably a little bit grey about her as well. So my answer here is a pineapple, to be honest. Um, but hands tied and I've got to be the ratings guy, so the ratings say gold trip. Well, just a quick one on a horse that he's a $10 chance. He's got a legion of fans. Things haven't necessarily gone to uh, plan for him so far this preparation. What do we make of Profondo today? Finally getting back onto a good track. That's a plus, but he's managed to find the path through the spring where the hardest path possible and there's been wonderful chances for him to knock up a win and, and find an easier path. There's a million-dollar hill stakes going on in Sydney. I know, good track, OK, that's what he's, that might be what he's looking for, but um, there's been plenty of, there's plenty of options around at the moment. We know how many races are popping up left, right and centre, and he's managed to run into Animo, Zaki and Animo. Um, I, think he can, I think he can only run well, actually. I'll say that much. I think he can only run well, and I think there are horses here that are too fast for him. Yeah, concur with Adam. I don't think he can give Gold Trip two kilos and beat him. Yeah, right. That's probably a, a good way to look at it, coming back to those weights and measures there with Gold Trip. That, that's a look at the Turnbull. Now, Adam, you've you've rolled it out already. Moving day. It was a couple of weeks ago. We had um, what was the what was the drink item a couple of weeks ago? The mini Everest for the show. Mini Everest for the, for the shorts. And last week it was the small but select Underwood. We've already rolled out. Uh, moving day, so we're fitting the narrative here already nice and early <laughs> on Racing and Sports Rundown. A lot of the moving day aspect around Turnbull Stakes Day relates to the undercard. We've got horses heading off in all sorts of directions off the back of what they do today. Uh, are there one or two that have jumped out at you that you're really keen to see how they go today? Because on what you've seen to this point, you think they profile really well for a grand final in two, three, four weeks' time? Yeah, absolutely. I think the maybe even more so than the Turnbull, the horse I'm really interested to see from a Cups point of view is Interpretation, 
who is um, I chased in last start, and I realised at about the 400 metre mark, I think it, it dawned on me that I'd gone a run too soon. Um, but he was dead stiff to run into a rare staying race in Melbourne that was actually a test at the trip. Um, it wasn't a sit and sprint, and of course he was off 56 days there, and he, he just had the one run in Australia and one run in 12 months. So the last time we, we saw interpretation overseas, he ran fourth. He ran fourth on this weekend last year in in the 3,000 metres Chardonnay for three year olds on um, the Saturday of Arc weekend, and before that he'd run in the he'd run fourth in the the Ledger at Doncaster. Now that profile says that he's not here to. You know, he's not a Bendigo Cup horse. He's coming here to be a Caulfield and Melbourne Cup horse with that sort of profile. And those ratings are bang on where the modern Bart Cummings has been won, and consistently so. So he's he's exactly the right sort of horse for this race. As I said, I think I, I found him a run too soon last time, and he, he just got caught out, I think, by unfortunately and almost impossibly running into a staying race in Melbourne that, that was a test, but it can be the perfect platform now. So for me, he is the ultimate moving day horse interpretation. He's got a platform now and he's running out of time and this is the, this is the race to win his ticket to the Cups. So I am absolutely certain he wasn't bought with a Bendigo Cup in mind, but it's, um, it's today or, or bust a Bendigo, I'd say. So um, I think the hot yard, the smart yard and the, the best yard in, in the country over a mile and a half can, can win the race for the third year in a row. They've hit the target the last two years, Persan and Grand Promenade, with, again, basically identical ratings and, and here's interpretation to, to do it for them again and I'm happy to back them in. Yeah, you're not the only one on that train. Um, Simon, have you had a look at the Flemington undercard? Not necessarily one that you've identified as a betting proposition, but just one that you want to have a look at with a view to some of the features down the track? Yeah, I think in terms of the features, the the last, the superimposed, or certainly you'd like to think a lot of those horses are on a derby path. Uh, the favourite comes up off, you know, only midweek form, but the sectionals there said he was a lot better uh, than that bare form, so no surprise to see the markets latch hold of him, Marzino. He looks a really nice horse. Uh, so, yeah, I think the last race is probably very intriguing going forward. Chris Wallace's horse, Kapakiri, uh, still a maiden, but looks to be trending uh, the right way towards a race like the Derby. So I'd imagine we'll get a few answers from that race as well. Yeah, 100%. This is a race that's really evolved into a key Derby lead-up in, well, the last five or six years. Um, the, the, these Derby horses have sort of drifted away from taking the Guineas path and then then into the Vars off the Guineas. You, you see a lot of them up to this 1,800 metres earlier than what they traditionally would have done so i expect the derby picture to become quite a little bit clearer after we see what happens in the final race of the day at flemington just recapping that news that we heard earlier on this is not derby related but aft cabin is out of the caulfield guineas after he was found to have bled um in recent days so that's a little bit of unfortunate news there for godolphin but good news is they caught it early and i'm sure we'll see him back in the Autumn and targeting some big races, so hopefully there's a group one there for Aft Cabin in a few months' time. That's a look at the Flemington Cup. What we're going to do now, we'll head off to a break and we'll come back on the other side and we'll have a look at these three group ones up at Randwick. On RSN 927, the Racing and Sports Rundown. And this is where Simon Dinopoulos really gets his chance to shine. Three group ones on one of the biggest days of the year up in Sydney. We've got the Epsom, we've got the Metropolitan, we've got the Flight Stakes. They're the group ones, but the undercard is interesting enough as well. We've got the Premier Stakes, that's a lead up to the Everest. The Hill Stakes is worth a million dollars, can you believe it? And 
Two of the first two-year-old races of the season, the Breeders' Plate and the Jim Crack Stakes. Not going to really push you for a tip on those ones, Simon, because that might be a little bit difficult to try and work out. But let's have a look at the Epsom. Small in numbers, only 12 to go around. Much has been made of that. You've already touched on it earlier on. What we need to do is try and find the winner. How have you come up with assessing the race, considering that we've got a heavy track to deal with as well? Yeah, it's kind of hasn't been too bad in terms of heavy track. We've been racing on heavy tracks now, it seems, for two years up in Sydney. So it probably just feels like the norm and no surprise to see Ice Bath and Hinge at the top of the betting as a result. I think the three main female chances, Ice Bath, Hinged and Nimely, all tie in fairly closely. Uh, Hinged obviously beat Ice Bath first up and then ran marginally behind her in the George Main there, gets the pull in the weight, so she's this year's weight horse. I think she's somewhat cheated in that George Main. The result, I think, at a more steadier tempo, uh, could have seen Ice Bath put more of a margin on her, but it's hard to ignore that. Uh, the weight-adjusted ratings are jumping off the page. But then the last time we saw Nimely race Ice Bath on a heavy 10 at Ramwick over the mile, uh, Nimely kicked Ice Bath's face in in the Queen of the Turf. Nimely finished just behind Ice Bath in the tramway and meets her two kilos better. So if Ice Bath is 380, I don't know how you can possibly have Nimely double figures given she's come back and confirmed that rating from the Queen of the Turf, uh, which is what you want to see when you get such testing ground, whether they can repeat that level of performance, and she has. So no fluke about that win whatsoever, and she's come up $13 uh, this morning, which certainly looks the value bet in the race. Uh, the fact that all three tie in fairly closely, I've got to go looking for different form, and top rank brings that form into the Epsom. He was a really good winner first up. Had it put on for him in front, they, it was a pace melt in front. He was back and just swept his way through. In terms of what's he beaten, he beat Purple Sector. You know, I wouldn't be backing Purple Sector in an Epsom, so that's your little nigger with him. But the Bill Ritchie has been the best way to make money in the Epsom, you know, since 2000. Uh, 15 Bill Ritchie winners have gone on to the Epsom. Three have won. Uh, the market only expected one and a half. The weight for age path towards the handicap is what everyone will tell you is the best, but it doesn't make you money. Uh, 63 winners have come through the George Main uh, for seven winners, and the market expected seven. So the market does a really good job at pricing those horses coming off the weight for age path, where I do think it can get the market a bit wrong in terms of those coming through the handicap form, which is top-ranked. The heavy eight would have been liked to have seen it in the soft range for him, but Hugh Bowman's got a great record in this race. He's chasing his third Epsom. He should get a good run and settle ahead of Ice Bath, which I think is a big plus. I think if he gets the run on her, I don't think she'll be able to run him down. So I think top-ranked and Nimely would be how I'll be playing the Epsom this afternoon. You had a good look at the Epsom, Adam? I have, and having graced you all with my complete no-idea views on the Turnbull, I've got very similar views on the, on the Epsom. It's, it's hard, although I must say Simon makes a compelling Nimely case. Um, and, yeah, my, my own special brand of rating says that she's basic. They, it is remarkable how similar Nimely, Ice Bath, Fangirl and Hinged are. And if, you, if you're happy enough, or if you look at those prices, Nimely and Fangirl are the two you want to be backing. And if you're happy enough to, to say, well, wet is absolutely not for Fangirl, then I suppose Nimely is is a good gamble and, and a good bet. I'm not so sure about that with Fangirl. I was saying that to, to Simo yesterday. It's um, It all seems a little too convenient, a little too easy to just say wet track Fangirl line through for, for mine. She's um, she's 
I, I sort of get it. it. It looks a little bit obvious, but I think it's interesting that she really only got into one race in the autumn there. So, look, she ran an absolute howler on the in the Queen of the Turf on the heavy, but there could be, you know, many reasons for that. And, and one of them is that she never got into the race at all. When she got into the race at Newcastle on soft track, good side of soft that day, but it was still soft, um, she was terrific. And what she is is really strong. So I think maybe she is one that likes to, to get into a race and, and use that strength. I think she's a, a strong finishing finishing mare, and I think she she can be, you know, near enough if good enough today. And if she's near enough and she gets a chance to really pin her ears back, I think she's... Um, She's not hopeless. You sort of, you take the risk that, yeah, okay, you might be throwing some, some cash down the drain because maybe, maybe it is just a case of heavy track. She hates it and she, she turns her toes up. But I think it's, I think she's good enough to say that that might be a gamble worth, worth taking. It's interesting to see so many mares in the race and prominent in betting. It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about a massive hoodoo there. I think it was 35 or 40 years before Secret Admirer won one, but they are playing a key role. Speaking of the hoodoo up, trifecta that year too. Yeah, they did exactly, yeah. and it produced <laughs> and the, the plate winner. I know it was hoodoo onto hoodoo. Mares can't win the Epsom, and Epsom horses can't win the Cox Plate. <laughs> there you go. That was a bad, bad month for the trends, boys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what about the flight stakes sticking with the girls? Um, we've uh, it was only a couple of weeks ago you best betted Zoo Gotcha here, Simon, but. She comes up against the Golden Slipper winner Fireburn, who showed a glimpse last week in the Golden Rose. Yeah, she's been the Dunno in both runs back uh, this time in Brad. And first up, she was okay if you weren't expecting a return from a slipper winner. In terms of a filly heading towards the flight, she was fine first up over that trip. And then it was a big hint last weekend uh, in the Golden Rose that she was back. She gets to a mile, she gets the swamp. Um, Zoo gotcha. Did enough to win the lead-up, but the Golden Rose form leapfrogs that by a considerable margin, I would think. So she didn't get a chance to get put into the race, into the Golden Rose either. So had she drawn a gate in that, I think she probably would have made it interesting because she just got forced to get too far back. Small field this afternoon, I think she's the class fairly. Interesting from a price point, I think $3 is her mark. I struggle to mark her inside that. Uh, as much as I sort of have a little pox on the Zoo Gotcha form, you've still got to respect it in the... T-Rose to the flight. They obviously have a very, very good record. Uh, Wolverine, I think, has been crying out for the mile. There looks to be good enough speed in the race, so I think we're going to, true, going to get a true mile, uh, which plays into Fireburn's hands in terms of her strength. So clearly the one to beat. Uh, 260, I couldn't tell you there's any edge in that price. No, she has been slightly easy as well out to that 260. She, I, I had a look yesterday and she was, she was into 230, so it might be correcting itself just a little bit. We might get the two yeah, one. I think, yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. That's a, that's the first of the group ones. Then the Epsom is race number eight on the card. Then we've got the Metrop, where we have some horses that have been, well, they, the likes of LaDon V and Stockman certainly wouldn't have been disappointed to see the track come up heavy. Durston has been in outstanding form up there, winning his past couple. How do we try and work out who's going to win the Metrop? Well, I've got a bit of a quirky stat for you, Brad. So, I like them. Yeah, the Newcastle Cup. So 68 runners uh, since the year 2000 have gone on to run in the Metro. That's including 13 winners of the Newcastle Cup. And only one has done the double, uh, which was Glen Caddam Gold in 2012. So 
that's got to be a little knock on Durson. The Kingston Town has certainly been the superior form line heading towards the feature. Uh, 45 have come through it for five winners and the market expected four. So for me, I think no compromise has been trimmed up this morning. I can see why. It was a good run in the Kingston Town. He sort of got tightened for room at the top of the straight and kept coming at the line. And he certainly looks to be the weight horse out of the Kingston Town taking a line through Stockman. So he's the way I would be playing the Metrop. But I will admit uh, these races are more Adam's strength than mine. I think they're also Sam Clipperton's strength. Have you factored in the rain and Sam Clipperton? Everyone goes looking for wet track horses. What about wet track jockeys? Sam Clipperton well, or Stockman? A... Mm. King of the Swamp. King of the Swamp. Owned it in the autumn and he gets... Uh, so Sam gets his conditions again, which, which might be relevant. I think Stockman is um, set for a uh, grand final here from a grand final stable as well. So off the track, Stockman has plenty going for him. But I have a quirky Metrop stat as well, and that is that Chris Waller often wins the Metropolitan with horrible horses, and Kukaracha <laughs> is a horrible horse, out of form, and fits that bill ideally. He is an absolute... If you're having a quaddy, Kukaracha is the perfect ruin-the-quaddy-for-everyone horse. Throw him in, I would say. He's also got a rating in there. Admittedly, he's not, he's not produced it in several runs, but that's perfect. History says. Yeah. Just find the uh, horrible Waller horse and, and Kukaracha's Hollandale run, which was on very heavy ground as well, says that somewhere in there, there's a performance that can just about win this race. And there he is at 50s, 60s. He'll be unwanted and he'll ruin the day for everyone at the pub. So um, don't let him ruin yours. Well, I, I like... Simon's stat better because I'm very keen on <laughs> Ladon de V today, so uh, I'm I'm happy that he's manning a case against Durston there from a history point of view. But uh, yeah, very keen on Ladon de V, and I'm going to have a little saver on uh, Sammy Clippen on Stockman there in the Metro. We've only got a couple of minutes to go. We still got to do best bets. We've got to talk uh, France, and we've got to do the NRL Grand Final. Let's quickly get your best bets, guys, for uh, anywhere across the country today. Uh, well, I can keep my I'll brief because I've already banged on about it, and that was um, interpretation at Flemington. I think the good stable will get the good thing home and, and get him into the Cups interpretation. So he was my, my best at Flemington. Yeah, you've got to swing in the big races, and the Epsom is one of my favourite races every year, so you've got to find the best bet there. And I think I have. Uh, top ranked is essentially racing Ice Bath, Nimalee, at Wait for Age, and he is the best horse in the race. So I think it's very easy to mark him favourite, and I'll be betting up race eight, number one. Oh, I'm, I'm honing in on Sydney as well. I love this heavy track up there on the big day. Montefilia, Fireburn, Marzu, Hinged, LaDonda V. They're my five up there today. Fireburn in the flight. She can go down as the best of them. Now, Adam, I mentioned the arc. We've got a few things to touch on there. We've only got about a minute to do it. Um, very elegant missing out on the arc. We've heard plenty about the race in the lead-up to it. First things first, the arc itself. Who do you think wins that race? Uh, I'm going to take an absolute swing at title holder. There's huge uncertainty around a horse that hasn't run in, in six months. He turns up in a foreign country and on ground much, much heavier than anything he's seen before, but... He was outstanding in the Takarazuka Keenan. He ran the fastest time there this century. The Japanese have been trying to win this for 30 years, and I've been backing them for about half of those. Um, <laughs> so we will get there eventually. And um, title holder is about as good a chance as they've taken over there since Orferb, I, I would say. He's a, he's a terrific horse. And if he gets through the ground and he turns up and runs his race, he is the best horse in the race. Um, yeah, so... I'm, 850, you probably even get a little bit better than that. I think that's that's a gamble worth having despite the, the uncertainty, unavoidable uncertainty 
that comes with backing a horse like him. And what about very elegant, yes or no, in the 2,800-metre fillies and mares group one? I'm a yes, because unlike the French handicapper, I thought the Prefoire was a good race. Um, and I thought she ran not to her best. I think it's too much to ask her to be running to her best at the moment, but I think she ran what I would call her modal rating, which is the rating she produces most often. Um, I think her run there was very much in line with what she's done here. The race was very French. They crawled. Um, All right, well, very elegant. A yes from you, Simon. You tipped Penrith last week. I'm assuming you're sticking with them in the grand final. Thanks for your time this morning, boys. It's been great doing the racing and sports rundown. On the other side of the news, the spring ticket.